We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. All right, Bears fans. Welcome into Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. Uh, my name, of course, is Andrew Freeman. I'm happy to be your co-host today. And, of course, happy to be joined by my other co-host here, uh, Usain Kolschel, as we are following the Bears, uh, losing their first game of the 2022 season, uh, recording here on a Wednesday, September 21st. And uh, coming off that Bears loss to the Packers, unfortunately, 27-10, to a game that Kind of felt all too familiar for us Bears fans here, but you said, um, you know, despite some of the lows of this up this last weekend, how are we doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. Obviously, not an ideal scenario, just the fashion in which the Bears lost. But I'm ready to recap it. I'm ready to get into some playmakers that the Bears should be watching on the offensive side of the ball, and then our old friend Lovey Smith coming to town for. I think the second or third time since he's been fired from the Bears about 10 years ago. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah, certainly a lot to talk about today, like you said. Um, and a big focus, I, th- I think, on the offense, and rightly so, because I think when we're looking at this past game against the Packers here, if there if there is one storyline here, and, I, and we could focus on the defense, you know, the run defense wasn't great in this last game. You know, Roquan Smith, you know, it's, it seems like he's knocking off the rust or – you know, you know, something's up with him because he did not play great in this last one. Um, you know, the defense as a whole, you know, we saw some 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 splash plays from the pass rush, but the, the pass coverage wasn't good. You know, the two rookies, Gordon, Brisker, did not have very good games. Gordon in particular was, you know, targeted all game by Aaron Rodgers and the, and the Packers. Like, we could talk about some of that stuff, but I, I think the major storyline coming up from this game has to be the offense because it's, it's a common trend with the Bears here in this franchise – you know, this franchise is just allergic to good, you know, forward-thinking, innovative, modern offensive football, it seems. And, you know, we're only two weeks into the season here, and we don't want to make any, you know, broad conclusions too quickly because a lot can change, a lot can develop over the course of the season. But it was just another one of those nights where the Bears offense, you know, 
start off strong with a opening drive, uh, getting a touchdown on a Justin Fields, a little kind of fake bootleg play um, for him to go in for a score uh, to kind of get the game started there after the Packers went down for a score in their first drive. And you kind of started to think that, okay, maybe this could be a game here. You know, these two teams trading blows here early on. I think the Bears defense ended up getting a stop, I believe, in the very next possession. So, you know, you're thinking some some positive thoughts for this team moving forward. And then, you know, after that, the offense just completely stalled for the entire first half, basically. They couldn't get anything going in the passing game. The Packers were able to slow down their running game a little bit for the rest of the first half. Um, and it just it became much much of the same that we've seen over the past few years, really for a long while now for Bears fans, where the offense, you know, just couldn't get anything going. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers eventually found a rhythm and started picking up picking the defense apart. Um, in that first half, got them out to a big 24-7 to seven lead at halftime. And from there, it was pretty much over. The Bears, you know, they did some stuff to make it a little bit of a competitive game in the second half. You know, they got the run game going with David Montgomery. David Montgomery was awesome in this game. And, you know, on the subject of looking forward to, um, you know, future guys in the 2023 drafts and playmakers, you know, running back is looking like a strong spot for this Bears um, team moving forward into next year, you know, assuming they keep a Dave Montgomery. So that's, I guess, one positive for this office moving forward because Montgomery looked, looked pretty awesome in this game after a pretty, you know, pretty bad week one or pretty underwhelming week one, you know, in the monsoon there. Um, but man, the Bears couldn't get anything going in the passing game. Um, Luke Getze, I thought, called a really conservative game plan. I think he only called 18 or 19 passing plays the entire game, which is ridiculous when you're down by you know, multiple scores for most of it. And Justin Fields only had 11 passing attempts, adding up to when you combine the sacks and and all that stuff into it, the Bears only having 48 net passing yards in the year of our Lord, in in the year 2022. And we had the Bears out here only getting 48 passing yards, net passing yards. So it it was, uh, it was a struggle to watch this offense. Once again, you say, what were your general thoughts on the game before we kind of dig into it a little bit more? Well, I really thought it was a typical Bears-Packers showdown, right? You're talking about a team that kind of had a surprise win in Week 1, specifically because of the conditions. Not a lot of people even expected the Bears to win. And I also think that had Jimmy Garoppolo been starting for the 49ers, instead of you know Trey Lance, who's basically a rookie quarterback this year, but is now sidelined with the ankle injury, that it probably would have been a very different game. And plus, let's be honest, like week one's a complete crapshoot. Like we saw the Vikings beat the Packers and then the Vikings just turned around the very next week and got absolutely destroyed by the Philadelphia Eagles. But ultimately, this was one of those games where it was a typical Bears-Packers showing, right? You're talking about a team that basically got blown out in week one by the Packers. They come back week two and you know what? They were running like a well-oiled machine. Now, ultimately, I think you look at this and say that early on, you know, when the Bears had that seven play 71 yard drive down the field in three minutes and 56 seconds to score a touchdown on their first possession. At that point, you're like, okay, there's something brewing here. But then after that, it was just like punt after punt after punt. And early on, it had the makings of being a heavyweight fight. But unfortunately, this game showed me and you as well, right? Because we're always on the same page about this team. Pretty much like it showed us one thing that a lot of people were not willing to acknowledge in the past. It's just the fact that this is an offense that does not really have the horses needed 
to compete with any of the big dogs in the NFC. You know, we saw a lot of people throughout the offseason talking about how this is a team that could surprise a lot of people, possibly sneak into the playoffs. You know what? Well, let's be honest about something. The Bears are far off from a playoff team. They are a team that is in contention probably for like top five, top 10 draft pick. And it's simply because they don't have the horses or the playmakers around Justin Fields to really justify this team taking a step forward. And, you know, I wrote this in my kind of post game article. I talked about how on the subject of David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, like those guys ran for 160 yards. The bears were averaging 8.8 yards per rushing attempt, right? The point I'm making is that we've talked all offseason about how the Bears don't have an identity on offense. But I think what it comes down to at the end of the day, and this was so prevalent on Sunday, because every time David Montgomery was given the ball, he was making plays. The Bears have an identity on offense, which is the running game. It's just that the team refuses to fully commit to it. You know, the subject of 11 passes, like play to your strengths and watch the rest of the offense begin to open up. Well, see, I, I think this is, this is where we may disagree a little bit here, because I think they are committing to the running game. And we look at um, this Bears offense as a whole in the past two weeks. I mean, first of all, week one is a, is a little bit of a it's a little bit of an outlier in terms of, you know, you're literally playing, you know, in a monsoon. They're like Lake Michigan basically transferred over from Lake Michigan to Soldier Field, basically, because of all the rain and stuff like those were less than ideal conditions for an offense, let alone a passing game to function. So they had to run the ball a lot in that game. But, you know, clearly their plan going into this game, game was to run the ball and run the ball a lot. And when you have the type of running splits like they did have, you know, despite the fact that they were losing for most of the game, you know, a, a lot of speculation goes into the fact that, you know, maybe they don't trust Justin Fields in this passing game just yet. But I think it more so has to do with the fact that, like you said, they don't really have the horses right now to – running full-fledged, or at least according to the coaching staff right now, you know, really open up the passing game right now, which I think is a wrong assessment to make. Like, even though, yeah, they don't have the talent needed. They don't really have ideal talent, but, you know, there are still some pieces here to work with, which I think we'll be getting into shortly here, or at least, you know, some pieces that, you know, could be functional if they, you know, if they were able to kind of make them make it work a little bit um, with the chemistry of this offense. But, you know, I saw a site out there when you look when you look at um, expected rushing attempts based or expected passing attempts based off of you know game situation, what down it is, how many yards to go on the first down, all that stuff. You know, the Bears lead the league far and away in terms of you know running the ball more than expected. I think they they have like they're running the ball twenty three percent more expected than passing the ball. Um, compared to the situation that they're in. Um, and we look at the, the next closest teams. The next closest team is the San Francisco 49ers, a typically run-heavy team who is at about 14%. So you're literally talking about like a 10 11% difference there, 9% difference um, between the next team. And then the next closest team after the 49ers is at, is at 8%. So the Bears are a complete outlier right now in terms of their running, in terms of their running the ball rate um, compared to, you know, what you typically expect for a team, um, given the situations that they've been in on offense so far this year. And again, some of that has to do with the week one, you know, the weather situation, some of that goes into, you know, the, what the game plan was in this past game where they did have a lot of success in the ground. So like you said, you know, why go away with it? But the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, we look at what what's the purpose of 
this year. You know, you look at Ryan Poles throughout the offseason, you know, training away with Kill Mac, eating a bunch of dead money to move on from some veterans, you know, not really spending a ton in free agency, um, you know, kind of getting the cap sheet worked out to be more advantageous for this team going into next year to make some splashes in free agency, you know, with them having over $100 million in projected cap space. You know, what is this year all about? Well, I would say that this year, especially with the fact that they're starting a bunch of young guys all across the roster, this is a development year. This is about seeing what you have in the young guys. And who's the one young guy in this roster that you need to get the most information out of in terms of knowing what he is moving forward? That's Justin Fields. You know, Justin Fields is the number one priority in terms of, you know, finding out what you can for him this season. It's not Dave Montgomery. He's going to be a free agent next year. You know, you don't need to find out what he is. We already know what he is. He's established. We know what he is, you know. Whether you want to pay him or not, that's kind of the question you got to determine, I guess. But we know what David Montgomery is, but we don't know what Justin Fields is, and we need to see what he is moving forward. And you're not going to see what Justin Fields is by him only throwing the ball 11 times a game in a game where you know you should be throwing the ball a lot because you're losing the entire game. So why not try to open up a little bit? And uh, some of this goes to the play calling decisions. You know, a lot of second and long runs, a lot of you know basic play calls and first down just basic runs on first down, not really throwing the ball in early downs. And what that means is that you're putting Justin Fields in a lot of disadvantageous positions on third and long, where he has to throw the ball with the defense. No, he has to throw the ball and you put yourself in troublesome situations with that. So um, that's probably my big spiel on the, the running game aspect of things, uh, because, you know, it was apparent in this game, they were trying to run the ball. And, you know, I think some of the players said it after afterwards in the post game press conference that, you know, Getsy wanted to run the ball in this game. And it was pretty clear because, you know, they ran the ball and I, to get, to give them credit, they, they did run the ball pretty well in this one. Yeah. Like I said, the average 8.8 yards per carry. And I think it's really encouraging to see, because if we're going to be honest, you know, David Montgomery has been one of those players over the last couple of years who the bears should have gotten way more out of, but they never really did because of porous offensive line play. Now, when, I kind of look at things moving forward, you know, like the run game should obviously be a priority because I think it's all about how you have two really good running backs in Herbert and Montgomery. You combine that with a dual threat quarterback like Justin Fields and effectively, you know, you are going to keep defenses guessing at times. But I think the overall bigger story here is when you talk about what exactly the future includes is that there are certain players on this roster, right? Like a Cody White here, for example not really a guy that you're going to build for the future or even a player like Robert Quinn. I mean, I think I saw somewhere, I believe it was on over the cap. If the numbers are correct, the bears could move on from both next year, Quinn and white hair and save. I think it's something like 20 or $30 million in cap space, which again, you know, there's a lot of young players like a Jalen Johnson, Travis Gibson, Darnell Mooney that could be in line for extensions that the bears could decide to hand them, you know, some deals to kind of make them part of the long-term future in Chicago. But in context of like who's stepped up over the first two weeks of the season, I would say, you know, one guy who sticks out for me is defensive end Travis Gibson. You're talking about a player that the previous regime drafted in the fifth round. He was labeled as incredibly raw, spent most of his rookie season inactive and kind of just on the sidelines, kind of took a step forward in 2021, had about six sacks as a sophomore. And then really this year he's popped off because the last two seasons he was playing as a 3-4 defensive end. This year, though, Gibson's playing as a 4-3 um 
defensive end and essentially you know it's a position that he played while he was in college so a lot of what the bears are doing is just so similar i mean i saw a stat somewhere where he's right up there in terms of pressures he's got eight which is up there with a lot of the elite edge rushers in the nfl so you know travis gibson's one name to continue watching Sports betting continues to take over the sports world, and with fall right around the corner, there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own TVs. If you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place just for you. As an added bonus, Odds Trader even compares the sign-up codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best sign-up codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com slash bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets. Yeah, Gibson's been really good these first two weeks. Um, and, you know, I watched him this past game and you know it's it's interesting because he's not out there a lot doesn't get a ton of snaps when he's out there but when he is on the field he's constantly making plays he's constantly being disruptive now some of that is you know he's kind of been getting some favorable matchups in terms of you know a lot of his pressures have been unblocked um because he was like to do these rollouts and they've rolled out to his side and you know he's not biting on those rollout fakes like he's going after the quarterback and, you know, he's disrupted some plays because of that. So that's – I mean, those are good things to see. You want to see a guy who's instinctive um, in space like that and is willing to make a play on those bootlegs because that's such a big part of the NFL now. But um, Gibson, he had a really nice game against the Packers. You know, he was able to beat – you know, Elson Jenkins, his first game back from his injury um, at right tackle for the Packers. You know, he's one of the – you know, one of the better young um, offensive linemen we have in the NFL today. Travis Gibson beat him multiple times in this game to get after Aaron Rodgers. He had multiple sacks in this game. Um, he looked really good. Like he he looks legitimately like he's going to be. I think a I don't know about like a, a you know a future Pro Bowler or All Pro or a future stud for this team. You know, not, not one of those true impact elite guys that you know you talk about. But I think he's a guy that you look at. He's got some stud attributes to him. I think he can be a building block for this defense moving forward. Maybe as not the guy moving forward, but certainly a guy that you can build as part of your defensive line rotation as a key guy. And, you know, he can do some things for you as a pass rusher. I like what they're doing with him. Um, him and Dominique Robson, who we have to mention as well, he stepped up in his first two games. I think he had a fumble recovery in this game um, as well. My memory serves me correctly on kind of a broken play from the Packers. But, um, you know, one of the things that I like that I like to see with them is um, being creative with those two guys, you know, putting one of those guys inside a little bit, I mean, there was one play where Travis Gibson was lined up inside um, on a pass rushing snap. Um, him and Dominic Robinson were on the same side. Gibson's on the inside. Robinson's on the outside. They, they were on a stunt. Um, that freed up Robinson to get after Aaron Rodgers, leading to a Robert Quinn sack. So those are some of the things you like to see. So I, I like to see that. So Gibson, Robinson, those two for me up front, I feel good about those two 
young players moving forward on the edge. And it makes me feel um, a lot safer moving on from a guy like Robert Quinn right now because those are two guys I want to see get more reps. And honestly, you know, they're playing Al-Kadim Muhammad a lot of snaps, and I don't know how many – I don't know how long I can I can stomach watching Al-Kadim Muhammad get more snaps than Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson. Like, those two have absolutely flashed over the first two weeks. And, again, we talked about this being a development year. I think for this coaching staff moving forward, you have to get those guys more snaps than Muhammad moving forward if you're not going to move Quinn because – you know, Muhammad's not a long-term piece here. Gibson and Robinson definitely have the potential to be, though. Um, for me, I look at the secondary here. Um, you know, Jalen Johnson's had a really nice start to the year. You know, I, I believe he hasn't been targeted yet, or if he has, he's only been targeted like once or twice this year. Like, clearly, you know, teams are going after other guys in the secondary to pick apart. We look at uh, Kyler Gordon um, getting picked apart a little bit. They're targeting Brisker a little bit. Um, some of these other corners that they're targeting, Fildor, obviously. So they're going after other guys here. They're not going after Jalen Johnson. So some of that is, you know, wanting to take advantage of some of these younger defensive backs on this roster that aren't as good as Jalen Johnson. But also, you know, teams clearly have a respect for Jalen Johnson as a presence at that other cornerback spot um, on the right side. And, you know, he's had a good start to the year. He had that forced fumble in week one that really, really helped change the outcome of that game because if the 49ers go and score a touchdown there, um, early in that one that really changes the entire outlook of that game and Jalen Johnson with that first fumble really set the tone for what that day was going to be is kind of a sloppy affair so Johnson you know he's been good he's looked solid on tape when you look at him in coverage even though he's not really active because they're not really throwing to him but I, I think Johnson you look at him he's another guy in defense that I feel confident that's going to be a long-term piece for this team moving forward yeah, Jalen Johnson's one who is, like you said, kind of a name to keep an eye on. Dominique Robinson is another phenomenal name. And then that, you know, I think right now might actually be leading the Bears in sacks with one and a half total sacks. But, you know, another player that I think is really worth mentioning, and this is a guy who, you know, kind of arrived in Chicago as a free agent during the offseason, still relatively young in his career. I think he's in his fifth or sixth season at this point, but that's wide receiver Equinemius St. Brown. Now, I understand he was with the Packers the first three or four years of his career, kind of dealt with a lot of injuries, but he's developed a nice chemistry with Justin Fields. And quite frankly, like, let's be honest, he is the red zone target that if this team starts getting into the red zone, you could see Fields target Equinemius St. Brown more. Um, ultimately, you look at it, and like we've mentioned multiple times, like the Bears don't necessarily have any top-tier playmakers at the wide receiver position. You look at a guy like Byron Pringle, who they gambled on in free agency. Well, I mean, Pringle really has not impressed at all much this year, but St. Brown's one of those guys because of his familiarity with Luke Getzey, the chemistry he's developed with Justin Fields. I mean, I would not be surprised to see him sign a two- or three-year deal in Chicago during the 2023 offseason to kind of allow him to be one of the faces of the Bears' playmaking core moving forward. I mean, I just think that ultimately you look at the state of this offense, right, and there are multiple ways to go about it, right? You could focus on what the Bears have right now, and then you could also look at what the Bears can eventually develop into in the future. And I think it's more so about the future because if we're being completely transparent, this a lot of what this offense is going to look like in two to three years is not necessarily on the roster yet, right? You're looking at, obviously, Justin Fields. You are looking at Darnell Mooney as being 
a long-term building block. Like those are your top two guys right now. But then you look at a first round pick coming up in the 2023 draft. You could look into adding a playmaker there. You're not as a new regime, I think fully sold on guys like Tevin Jenkins and Larry Form. I still think that both of them have to prove their worth, especially being on those cheap rookie deals. The bears could decide to cut bait with them if need be, or even possibly flip them for some sort of trades. Braxton Jones is a name that, you know, has been up and down so far and just has really yet to find consistency. And we're being fully honest, like the fan base fell in love with Braxton Jones this offseason. I was impressed with what I saw with Braxton Jones, but also if he continues to consistently be an inconsistent player, then guess what? Next offseason, it is warranted if you look into upgrading at left tackle because if we're going to be fully honest. Like this team has not had a franchise caliber left tackle in forever. And for the bears, you know, if you have an opportunity to upgrade there, whether it's signing someone in free agency, which is unlikely because of the way the left tackle market's gone, or even drafting and developing a player, you take it by all means. And, you know, I should also mention, it's like you look at Eberflus and Paul's previous teams, the chiefs and Colton, both of them drafted offensive linemen relatively high. Like when Eberflus was with the Colts, they drafted, you know, Quentin Nelson in the first round, who I think was the fifth overall pick that year. So lose a top 10 pick to my knowledge. But the point is, it's like when Poles was also in Kansas City, they drafted Eric Fisher first overall. And that's when Poles was kind of at the bottom of the ladder in terms of the work he was doing. So the point is, is that it's like, a lot of this offense and what this offense is going to develop into in terms of talent, it's not necessarily fully on the roster, but there's still a lot of upgrades to be made. So I think no one's safe. Yeah, no one's safe. And, you know, currently I look at this offense. I mean, you bring up Equinemius St. Brown. Like, I think he has had some nice moments here. I'm not sure how sustainable that is towards him being a long-term piece, though, because, you know, you, you look at his touchdown, it's for 49ers. Like, that's just more of an example of Getsy scheming him open. And kind of the same thing against, you know, the Packers on that flea flicker play, which is a big play, made a nice play after the catch. But I'm still not sold on Equinemius St. Brian. I know he has a relationship with Getze, but there's a reason why he was brought in on a vet minimum contract. Like, you know, he, he's not really seen as anything much around the league. It certainly wasn't seen as much um, by the Packers where they were willing to let him go, despite the fact that their receiving core wasn't very good. So, I, I saw it's a wait and see for me with the equanimity St. Brown, but I've been, I've been, you know, a little bit impressed with what he's been able to do and his opportunities so far, you know, one player that has his appointment at wide receiver though, has been Darnell Mooney to start off the year. And I think he only has what, like two catches to start the season. Like he hasn't been a part of the game plan so far. And that's really disappointing because, you know, going into the season, I thought Darnell Mooney would be kind of playing that, you know, not like being Devontae Adams as because Devontae Adams, but kind of playing that Devontae Adams role in this offense where he's going to be getting the bulk share of targets in this offense. They're going to move him around all over the place. Um, and, you know, he's going to be the guy that Justin Fields is looking for um, on any given play to get the ball to um, in third downs and, you know, whenever they need a big drive on offense in the passing game to get him the ball. And that hasn't that hasn't come up whatsoever. Like Darnold Mooney has been an, a complete – no show in this offense. I think both of his catches have been screens that, you know, one of them worked against the 49ers, but this last one against green Bay, they, they sniffed it out and they did not work in that one. So, you know, Darnell Mooney, you know, I still believe he's a long-term piece. You know, I feel good about him, but I think we're starting to see that, you know, some of my concerns going into this year, you know, a lot of bears fans were hyping up Darnell Mooney as this number one type of wide receiver, this alpha type of guy that you can build a wide receiver core around. And, you know, me and a lot of other people like, 
on base where we're like, I mean, we like Darnell Mooney. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Darnell Mooney. I love what he brings. But, you know, this whole talk about him being a number one is a little bit premature because there's, you know, it's one thing to be that number two option and to soak up targets, um, you know, when Al Robinson does go down to step up and get a lot of targets. But it's another thing to be the, you know, in, entire um, linchpin of an entire offense in the passing game to build around at that wide receiver spot where defenses now are focusing on you and, you know, trying to scheme around you, so to speak, because, you know, the Bears don't have any other, any other options that you're worried about. So, you know, for Darnell Mooney, it's kind of that adjustment where now he's the undisputed number one guy. And so far, you know, he's learning that being the number one guy isn't as easy as it can be as it can seem sometimes. And just because you're getting a lot of production um, as a number one guy last year, doesn't mean it's going to translate now that you are the full-time number one guy. So it, it's kind of been, you know, it, I wouldn't say I like that, that this is how it's played out, but it's played out kind of the way I thought, I thought in terms of the fact that, you know, Darnell Mooney, you know, he's a really good player. I think he's a long-term piece. He fits nicely with fields and, I mean, we've yet to see it this year, but those two clearly have a nice chemistry together uh, based off of what we saw last year. But I, th- I think moving forward, you ha- you can't go into next year assuming that he's your number one guy moving forward. You have to – I think he's a guy that you can build around – that you can keep as part of your core moving forward, but he's not a guy that I'm building my receiver core around, so, so to speak. Like I think the Bears should be aggressive to try to upgrade that position and get a true number one guy. I don't know who's going to be available because the free agent – Free agency pool isn't really great. We can talk about some draft options coming up soon, but you know the wide receiver position. You know, once again, it's going to be a position I need going forward into next year. You know, you, you touched on Byron Pringle. You know, I, 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 Byron Pringle is what it is. Like he was, you know, he was a fourth option in Kansas City for a long time. He was a special teamer guy. He got opportunities last year, but again, it's 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 easy to look good when you're playing as a Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey all the times and with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. So. You know, completely different situation. He was asked to be number two, and I don't. He hasn't really shown anything. And you know, Villas Jones will see. You know, hopefully he gets back from his hamstring. But the one thing I want to talk about here before we kind of talk about the offensive line a little bit more, um, we need to have a conversation about Cole Komet because what is Cole Komet like? You know, obviously I've never been very high on him, but this last game was not a very good showcase for Cole Komet. Obviously, his blocking wasn't very good in this one. Um, he had that one block in the Darnell Moody screen where he just missed his guy. Um, just, and again, I don't think he's been a great blocker anyway throughout his first couple of years in the NFL. And then, you know, my concerns about him as a receiver have played out so far. He didn't do anything in the 49ers game. That wasn't really his fault, but you know, he had some opportunities in this Packers game and he had that one really bad drop on that one play and was a no show besides that. So Cole Komet, like, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you think he's done anything to prove himself as a long-term piece? Or do you think that the bears, you know, should be looking to try and upgrade if he doesn't really step it up here over the next few weeks. Yeah, I don't think he's really done anything to prove that he's a long-term piece. And and again, here's why. Because let me take a step back first off. When I rank outside of the quarterback, right, the three most experienced playmakers on this offense, you've got David Montgomery and you've got Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney, right? Now, at least with Montgomery and Mooney, you've seen enough – throughout the last couple seasons to say, you know what? These are guys that any new regime around the NFL would welcome. Okay. I mean, especially Mooney who had, you know, just under 1100 yards receiving last year, Montgomery, another really phenomenal running back, by the way, who I think loses out on production has lost out on production because of a bad offensive line over the last couple of years. 
but then there's Cole Komet. And and Cole is, I understand he's like a hometown hero who's a hometown favorite, but Cole's incredibly polarizing specifically because when I look at him as a player, right, it's like there's these limitations that pop up and the same limitations that you and I were talking about two years ago when he was drafted and throughout his rookie season and last year, those same limitations we're still talking about. And then it brings up an even bigger question in terms of what has Cole Komet done to warrant kind of being on this roster long-term because there's one thing, right? He's not the greatest athlete in the world. He's kind of limited as a route runner. There's only so many different types of routes that he can run. And then he really lacks breakaway speed, right? And then there are times where I think you could certainly consider his hands to be incredibly questionable as well, right? So with Cole, I think what it comes down to is he hasn't done much to prove himself and that he's going to be one of those players that next offseason, the Bears need to look into getting a upgrade at tight end because when we look at this offense, right, and, you know, this is Luke Getzey's offense, right? It's Luke Getzey and it's Justin Fields' offense. But when we look at, like, what the Rams did with their tight ends and the kind of Packers did with their tight ends, a guy like a Robert Tunyon, a Gerald Everett, you know, those are all guys who are kind of receiving tight ends first. And the big thing with them is they're able to consistently get involved in that downfield passing game, you know, on any sort of route. With Cole, it's kind of tough because the only, like, downfield route that he could run tends to be a um fade down the seam right so that does kind of present mismatches but then again the thing with Cole is he doesn't necessarily have the speed to warrant out running a safety every single time we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, you just you saw the limitations out there uh, this past Sunday. Like he's just he's not the most explosive receiving threat right now. Hasn't really been in his entire career so far. So, you know, it's one of those things where Cole Komet, you know, for me as someone who's not really had never been sold on him, he's got a long ways to go to prove himself this year. But if he can prove himself over the next, these next few games and improve, like there should be better opportunities for this passing game to work against teams like, you know, the Texans coming up, the Giants coming up. You know, the Bears should be able to have more of a passing offense in that one, you know, because the 49ers and Packers, those are two of the best secondaries, two best defenses in the NFL. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit tougher there. But, you know, hopefully we can get, see a little bit more of an expansion of this passing game moving forward because it makes things tough to evaluate a guy like Justin Fields, who I know 
we're not going to touch on Justin Fields as much in this episode just because, one, we don't have the time, and two, like that's just a whole Twitter firestorm I don't want to get into right now in terms of the, the Justin Fields conversation because there's a lot of talk of, you know, is he a bust? Is, you know, is, is he the Bears guy moving forward? You know, are these just, you know, some, you know, you know, the fact that, you know, development isn't linear and, you know, there are going to be some values before we get to see him, you know, start to really improve going forward. Like, I, I don't want to get into that too much right now. I will, the one area I do want to touch on here before we move on to some college playmakers, you know, to talk about here is um, the offensive line and how we think that's going. You kind of touched on it. Like, I, th- I don't think Cody Whitehair is a long-term piece of this offense moving forward. I kind of talk about how Lucas Patrick, I don't really see him as a long-term piece. I think he's going to be here next year, but I don't think he's a guy that you're necessarily counting on as a long-term building block. But um, you kind of said it earlier, like Larry Borum, like he's been better than I expected so far this year, but he's definitely not someone that I'm really tied to moving forward. I think he's better off as a team swing tackle than as a full-time starter. You know, Braxton Jones, we'll see. I think he's for a fifth-round pick as a rookie. Like he's looked good from that perspective. Um, has he been good from a you know national football league perspective of looking at all NFL tackles? Like, no, like that's gonna happen though for young tackles. So I mean, yeah, it's gonna take him a while. We'll see how he develops throughout the year. But I will say I have been pretty impressed by Tevin Jenkins um at right guard. I really cannot stand the rotation they have going for him right now with Lucas Patrick. Like, I think they just keep uh Jenkins starting right guard full time. Um, because the, the rotation makes no sense to me. Uh, Jenkins, he's looked really good in the run game. Like that's his that's his calling card in college. Like this guy is a mauler as a run blocker, and that showed so far right guard. It's really been something that's been um, elevated um, by switching to right guard as opposed to playing tackle. So I, I think Jenkins, he's going to work it out. I think he's going to be a long term piece moving forward. Like there's just too much talent there. And I like what, what I've seen from him so far. He's got to work on his pass pro, uh, but that'll get better with more reps. Like he's barely had any reps so far. So um, yeah, I, I like Jenkins. I like what he's seen. So um, offensive line, there's still some holes that are moving forward. They're going to have to upgrade it in the off season, but you know, hopefully that's something they can address both in free agency and in the draft. Like we said before, like this is an offensive line, you know, run regime with Ryan Poles being a former offensive lineman. So, you know, that'll be something that's going to definitely be um, emphasized moving forward, I believe. So, uh, moving on here, you know, we talked about some of the playmakers not being ideal. Um, for a little little section here, let's talk about some playmakers in college football that you know the Bears could possibly be looking to target here at the top of the draft, whether it be in the first round or in the second round. Some guys that has stood out throughout the course of this year, um, and I think the guy for me that's really stepped up. Like I know Jackson uh, Smith, the, the Jimba has kind of been the kind of the big name out of Ohio State that a lot of people had their eyes on because. You know, he is a Ohio State guy. I don't know if he played with Justin Fields um, in his last year. Um, I, I don't think he did. But, you know, both being Ohio State guys, it makes a lot of sense to kind of pair those guys up at the top of next year's draft. But um, one other player that I've really liked to watch so far has been Jordan Addison, who, um, you know, had a big year last year at Pittsburgh um, to help Kenny Pickett and his rise into being a first-round pick. Um, he had nearly 1,600 yards and 100 receptions last year, 17 touchdowns, like a huge receiving season at Pittsburgh. Uh, transferred to USC to play with Lincoln Riley. And Jordan Addison's been awesome this year. Um, I, I think he's definitely earned you know a spot as a first-round pick going to next year's draft. So, you know, what have you, your thoughts been on him going into this season um, so far in the first few weeks of the college football season? And are there any other wide receivers that have stood out for you so far this year? Um, that you're kind of keeping an eye on for the Bears. Yeah, I would say, you know, 
like you look at the wide receiver class, and if you asked me a month ago, I would have told you there's three names. There's Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, Kayshawn Booty from LSU, and then Jordan Addison, who again is now at USC playing with Caleb Williams. But the reality of it is you look at it, and Smith and Jigba kind of left that week one game with an injury against Notre Dame. Didn't, I think, return. I'm not even sure if he's fully back into action, so that's something that could hurt his draft stock. Keishon Bucci decided to transfer from LSU to I don't even know where at this point. I just think he's so done with anything and everything in terms of having to deal with Brian Kelly. So that really leaves Addison as being the top name at the wide receiver position, right? Now, he's a player that I look at about six feet tall, 174 pounds. You know what? So not the biggest guy, but I think he certainly could afford to add some strength. But what I love about him is just the simple fact that it's this explosive big playability, right? You saw kind of what he did at Pittsburgh really popped off. But I think that this year, you know what, he had a really good game against Stanford with about 180 yards as well as two touchdowns. And you just look at what he was able to go ahead and do um, against a player, I'm sorry, against a team like, you know, Rice, for example. It wasn't necessarily his best game by any means but then again like you saw the ability to kind of go ahead and move him around you know so he's a player that I think really brings a lot of agility quickness to the game he's a player that I think can be an asset on all three levels so Jordan Addison's definitely right now my wide receiver one but it's also tough right because like for me, I mentioned earlier how I felt as if there was an opportunity to upgrade at left tackle. If Braxton Jones continues to struggle, the Bears should certainly go for it. And so now it kind of brings up this other question when you talk about building around the playmakers. It's like if you don't go wide receiver first, you decide to address another position first. Like, what do you do in the second or third round? Because there could be a quality tight end there. And there's going to be a handful in this draft class that you could look into possibly bringing in. Yeah, and speaking of tight ends, I think, like, the, the major guys that stand out, if the Bears were to, you know, move on from a guy like Cole Komet, um, Brock Bowers is a guy that really stands out to me. Like, Brock Bowers has been, you know, he's an awesome player. Um, he, he's just one of those rare athletes at the tight end position where, again, he's not really – he doesn't really have quite the size of a prototypical um, inline tight end, but his ability as a receiver is really special to see. Like, he's got incredible speed, explosiveness, and ball skills for the position. He's, he's got good, you know, quick twitch ability for a tight end, if that makes sense. Like, he's got good agility um, to, to run routes and, you know, shake guys a little bit um, in his routes. So um, – all that stuff is just really special stuff for a tight end. You don't really see that very often. So, you know, the one thing for me is like, what would his role be in the Bears offense? Because clearly, like, you know, Getsy coming over from the Packers, he wants to run that Packers offense where it's, you know, they want to run the ball a lot. They want to have a lot of tight ends in the field, a lot of tight ends that can block. I think Bowers would be perfect in kind of that Robert Tunyon role where he's not asked to block too much in line. He's more of a, you know, I, I wouldn't say like a true, like, slot big slot wide receiver but you know they move him around the formation a lot you know he's not relied upon in the run game a ton as a blocker but if you can get him on the move a little bit in the screen game um as a blocker and as a lead blocker um you know he can be effective there out in space and i think that's kind of kind of some of the things that um the bears are gonna be looking for in a lot of these tight ends because i think they can find guys to be that 
that you know kind of inline blocker type of guy like the Mercedes Lewis role for the Packers. Like I think you can find those guys. You can't find a guy though like Bowers with his receiving ability. And again, he doesn't need to be a great inline blocker. He just needs to be good enough. But if he can be a solid blocker on the move in space for you while being an elite receiving threat, that just helps out your passing game so much. But some other tight ends, I mean, <laughs> another Notre Dame tight end here, uh, Michael Mayer. Um, you know, he's another guy. I, he's going to be at the top of the list for tight ends on this draft class. He's kind of a, a non player. He has more of the prototypical size for a tight end, but. Um, they do use him, you know, as a receiver quite a bit. Um, I know in 2020, he, he actually ran like a lot of his routes from, you know, basically just playing like a wide receiver basically. So, um, he's one of those guys that has the flexibility, um, to, you know, he's not a great blocker right now, but to be in line and be a receiver a little bit. So he's a guy that you look at the top of this draft as well. And yeah, I mean, there are some, some talented tight ends in this class. Um, who are some guys that stand up for you? Yeah, so you mentioned another Notre Dame tight end. I think it's worthy mentioning a couple UGA tight ends, but one guy in particular that sticks out to me is actually, I hope I'm saying this name correctly, but it's Arie Gilbert from, you know, University of Georgia, about six foot five, 260. So he's kind of got this major, like, frame that defenses are going to have to account for in the middle of the field but what I love about him I think that he's just a phenomenal athlete and then everything about tight end feeds into you know him being able to just have a natural fear for the position and operate smooth as silk you look at Gilbert right like I said really good athleticism and then he's just improved over the last couple of years um you know used to be really raw in terms of route running but has really refined that I think that he's a player that is impactful on all three levels of the passing games that's short intermediate as well as deep so when you look at gilbert overall right you're talking about size speed length agility being a phenomenal route runner i think that he's just this overall this complete and just well-rounded tight end that i think can take another step forward and get even better when he gets to the next level so ultimately you know arik gilbert's one of those names that you look at and you're like hey you know what it would not be bad for justin fields to have a dynamic playmaker in the middle of the field at the tight end position because with gilbert you can line him up on the line of scrimmage you can line him up as a blocker both as a receiver you can move him around put him in the slot and quite frankly like if we're being honest when i look at justin's career at ohio state right and i look at justin's first year and a half in the nfl so far i mean he's he's always had good wide receivers, good dynamic wide receivers like a Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney. But he's never really had kind of that top-tier tight end, that target in the middle who can take on linebackers and take on safeties and present a mismatch on every single play. And I think a player like a Michael Mayer or even a Reed Gilbert offers that from day one. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, certainly they need to figure out that receiving tight end position because it's, it's an important part of any offense, but especially the Packers style of offense, that Shanahan style of offense where it's a lot of tall personality. You want to get big guys on the field, a lot of tight ends on the field. Like you need guys with, with very versatile skill sets that can make that work. Now, if they did want to go to more of a traditional tight end, uh, there's another guy in Georgia that we could talk about, Darnell Washington. He's You talk about a guy being rocked up, but this guy's like, rocked up you know we talked about a little bit on this podcast before but he's more of that classic blocking inline tight end you know he's a good athlete in space like in the straight line not the quickest dude not gonna run great routes but if you're looking for more of that blocker guy like darnell washington is definitely the way to go so um, those are some names that we're keeping an eye on here in the early going of the season again it's, it's early in college football we're gonna be getting more into um, breaking down some prospects as the year goes on but you know, those are some of the big names to look forward to. And again, it goes down to this, it comes down to this Bears offense. You know, again, we said at the beginning of this podcast, like the, the talent level isn't there right now. We're seeing that uh, in the passing game. It's just something that has to improve moving forward because you cannot win games in, in the modern NFL only dropping back, you know, 20 times or less. Like they can, they're going to have to start throwing the ball and, you know, really unleashing what Justin Fields can do. And Justin Fields has to play better as well to be, to be part of that. But, yeah, we, we can't see too many games like we saw on Sunday. Um, and a lot of that goes to, you know, having the playmakers that can make it work for this offense. So I, I think that's enough talk about, you know, this last week, you know, with this Packers game. And, you know, let's get rid of that stank right there because all you can do right now is move on to the next week. Um, and speaking of moving on to the next week, we have an old friend coming back here uh, for the Bears in their next upcoming game is, Lovie Smith, the head coach of the Houston Texans, is returning to Soldier Field um, as the head coach of the Texans. Like I said, looking to get some revenge here against the Bears, maybe. Um, I don't know, but there are some interesting storylines for this game. You said, what are some of the things that, that you're looking forward to for this upcoming Texans game here on Sunday? Well, there's a lot of different storylines to watch, right? But the main thing that I'm going to be focusing on and – I know I'm going to sound repetitive when saying this. I know everyone's going to sound repetitive when saying this, but ultimately, right, just how exactly is this Bears offense going to go ahead and do? Now, this Texans game comes at the perfect time if we're looking at the Bears offense, right? The reason I say that is because week one, you know, it was a slow start. The offense eventually got it together. Week two, it was a fast start building off of the second half in week one, but then completely just collapsed right the rest of the game now you're in our week three and you know what this offense looks like when it does good you know what the offense looks like when it struggles so it's a building opportunity against a young team and this is one of those games where the offense needs to come out and have a big showing just to be able to go ahead and build that confidence because if you're looking at the schedule right now it's like you got the giants afterwards right in week four then in week six you've got the um Washington Commanders coming to town. I believe somewhere in there, the Bears are playing in Minnesota uh, week five, which is, I believe, October 9th. So ultimately, 
with that right the point is it's like you're entering a stretch here you're playing you know one decent team in the vikings but then the rest of them are just kind of mediocre teams so it's an opportunity for this offense to really build and gain some confidence and i think that starts this sunday against texans defense that is just undergoing such a massive transition right now and is doing more identity figuring out than the bears are yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this Texans team right here. That they they start off the year 0-1 and one. They had that tie week one against the Indianapolis Colts, uh, 2020, and you know, kind of a sloppy game, um, so to speak. But they end up losing to the Broncos this past week in, a, in another close game, 16 to nine. And you know, they're a very similar t- team to the Bears in terms of, you know, Lovey Smith is kind of an old school head coach. Um, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna play hard for him. He's defensive minded. Obviously, they have that, you know, cover two, Tampa two style of defense that they're running, very similar to Eberflus, what he's doing. And, you know, they're going to scrap. They're going to play hard. They're going to hustle. They have a lot of young guys um, and some veterans there that, that are kind of helping to steer the ship of that rebuild there as they kind of set their foundation. I mean, they're, these are two teams that are young and trying to set a foundation going forward. So, um, and, they, and they both play a very similar style of football. So that's kind of the one thing I'm interested in seeing is how that works in terms of, you know, like you said, Justin Fields, like, this is a very similar defense to what he has played um, in practice basically every day. So is he going to have that familiarity there to be able to, you know, kind of go up against these guys and, you know, have a big game? Like I hope so because this defense, you know, certainly isn't the most talented. It's definitely not as talented as what we saw against Green Bay and against the 49ers. But there are some guys on this group that, you know, the Bears should look out for, like, Jonathan Grenard, he had a nice year for the Texans last year. I think he's a solid young pass rusher. Uh, Jerry Hughes, he's been a nice veteran for a long time. Malik Collins is a nice uh, three-tech for that defense. And on the back end here, you got two rookies that are very similar to the Bears, having a cornerback and a safety that they're kind of hoping to develop in their in their defense. Like the Texans, they got Derek Stingley and Jalen Petre um, as two you know young up-and-coming rookies in the back end of their defense. So a lot of similarities there um, for these two teams. Like I think the bears probably have a little more talent on their, on their defense, but you know, it's pretty close. Um, Texans to have some guys to kind of worry about there that, you know, if, you know, this team isn't careful, they could make some plays in this game, but it should be a much easier, a much easier defense to go up against compared to the Packers and the 49ers who have, you know, pro bowl level guys at all levels of the defense. That's not the case here for the Texans, like it's a huge drop off in level town that you're going up against um, and a much simpler, I, I think a very simple defense to kind of go up against too, because, you know, Lovey Smith, like there's not a ton of, from what I've seen, there's not a ton of innovation from what he's done with his Tampa two defense. You know, it's still, again, it's a lot of cover two. Um, they're not really don't doing a ton of match coverages. You know, it, it's, it really is kind of like a throwback in terms of um, what we've seen from defenses in the past. So, I'm curious to see how Justin Fields does in that environment there. Now, defensively for this Bears team, um, they're going up against a Davis Mills run um, passing attack here. And, you know, the Texans have some receivers to worry about. You know, Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, like both those guys are pretty solid. Um, You know, on the offensive line, you know, Laramie Tunsil is going to be a tough matchup for Robert Quinn, some of these pass rushers at left tackle. But, you know, the rest of this offensive line isn't anything that – you know, I, I I think the Bears pass rush should be able to have a pretty decent day. Um, this this offensive line for the Texans isn't great. Uh, for me, the key on that on that side of the ball there is you know stopping the run because Damian Pierce, you know, he had a really big uh, 
you know, preseason for the Texans. And I think we're still waiting to see when his breakout comes because Pierce, I think he has a lot of natural talent at that running back spot. Texans have talked about getting him involved with run game more often and the bears run defense has not been good so far this year. So I'm curious to see whether they can stop the run there because, you know, this is going to be one of those, you know, low scoring scrappy games, I feel like. And I, I think, you know, stopping Damian Pierce in that rushing attack is going to be huge for this bears defense in this one. Um, so before we uh, wrap it up here, you said, let's get into our predictions. Who's your X factor for this one? Who do you think wins and what do you think the score is going to be? Yeah, so my X Factor, once again, is going to be Justin Fields, right? You mentioned some of the kind of young, dynamic defensive backs that are in the Texans secondary in Petrie, as well as Derek Stingley Jr. So my challenge to Justin Fields this week is this is can he overcome that slow start? And can he really get this Bears passing attack humming in the right direction? I think that the final score is going to be Bears end up winning 24 to 17. I think that it's going to be this ugly kind of f- dog fight specifically because like this is a game where the Bears could run away with, but you know that the defense is also still a work in progress. So the Texans are going to find a way to punch the ball in the end zone once or twice. But ultimately, I think the Bears prevail specifically because of just better coaching and the offense figuring it out. Yeah, I have the Bears winning this one as well. This is the first time I have the Bears winning a game this year, by the way. So um, I have the Bears winning 20 to 16, kind of similar to you. Like, I think it's going to be kind of an ugly slop fest. Um, There's going to be some sloppy plays. There's going to be some turnovers here. Um, You know, two young teams trying to find their foothold here two rebuilding teams trying to, you know, find their way and set an identity for their franchises here. Um, my X factor is not a player. It's actually a coach and that's Luke Getze. I think he's the X factor in this one. You know, I've, I've not been impressed with Luke Getze, the play caller or the offensive coordinator so far, all these first two games, like it's a very small sample size. I'll give him that. So I, I'm not trying to crush him early on, but I'm, I, I'm not a big fan of their game plan in terms of, you know, running the ball as much as they do on early downs. You know, they, I think Getsy's done a poor job of, you know, putting fields in positions to, you know, just make things a little bit easier for him early in games, you know, give him some layups on, you know, first and second down so that he doesn't, doesn't have to be in these third and long situations all the time um, to try and dig himself out of a hole. I think it's a big part of why just fields has struggled to start the year is that they're not doing enough to kind of, you know, get him in a rhythm. I mean, just look at what the Green Bay Packers did with Aaron Rodgers this past week against the bears. You know, it was a lot of easy stuff that they did a lot of layups basically early in the game to kind of get him going, get the offense on schedule, get him in a little bit of rhythm. And then as the game went along, we saw Aaron Rodgers start to step up a little bit more and make, you know, more aggressive plays down the field. And, that's what I want to see from this Bears offense. Get just feels in a little bit of rhythm. Stop this game script of running on first and second down all the time, especially the second and long runs. Like if they do another second and long run, like I might throw something at my TV set because it's just so frustrating to watch them fall for the same mistake every single time because it's just I, – I don't want to go on a huge tangent on that, but second and long runs are are not good. Like stop doing those. Like they – they rarely work. So all it does is put you in third along situations. So that's something I, I want to see them completely just remove from the playbook. Um, but yeah, just open it up a little bit in the passing game, you know, see what Justin Fields can do because at the end of the day, you know, Justin Fields this year is about seeing what he can do, see what he can offer to this bear scene forward. And you can't see that by seeing him hand the ball off every single play. So 
let's stop protecting the young quarterback. Let's let him throw the ball a little bit. Let's, you know, loosen up the playbook, loosen up the reins, and let this guy play the position that you that you know he he's meant to play here. So uh, I, w- I want to say big game for Justin Fields, and that starts with the, the game plan from Luke Getzey and hopefully calling a, a better game plan in terms of the game script and, you know, getting the passing game going a little bit to where it's not so run heavy and one dimensional. So um, those are our thoughts for uh, this podcast. I think it's a good, good place to wrap it up for us today. Um, for all of our listeners out there, make sure to like rate review and subscribe to the, to the bear report on blue wire pods and all of our podcasting platforms. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media as well. We have our Twitter account picks for poll at picks for polls on Twitter. Uh, make sure to follow us on college football Saturdays, as well as just for any um, draft content as well throughout the year. You say we're going to listeners uh, find you on social media and find your work. Yeah, you guys can follow me on social media at Usay Koshal. That's Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Check out my work on the Bear Report. I drop a post-game article every single week, the night of the Bears game. I drop a NFC North recap on Monday or Tuesday every week during the season. And then I've got an article out on Thursday or Friday about something looking forward to the following week. So a lot of content on my end and then this podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give you say to follow. Make sure to check out his work at the Bearport. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. You can find my work on the Bearport as well. Uh, by the time this podcast comes out, I should have the next article in my tracking the trenches series. So if you're interested in taking an inside look at offensive line, defensive line play, you know, I do a lot of statistical analysis and film analysis for uh, the Bears pass rush and pass protection. Um, so if you want to check that out on my Trek in the Trenches series, make sure to give that a look on the Bear Report. Again, that should be out by the time this podcast is up. So uh, definitely check that out if you're interested in that type of contact. But you know, without further ado, Bears fans, that's going to wrap it up for us here today for our podcast. Uh, you know, it was a tough weekend last uh, last week with you know that loss to the Packers. It's never great to lose on Packer Week, but you know this week is a new week. It's a new game. It's a new opponent, and hopefully the Bears can come away with another win here to get out to an above 500 record here early in the season. But until the next time, Bears fans, uh, have a great weekend, have a safe weekend, and bear down. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com